Hi, I'm Michael Radigan uh, with my co-host, Kat Silverman. This is Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference. You can follow me at Mikey Rads and Kat at Kat M. Silverman. You can follow the podcast at Three Cheers for Goal One. That's the number three and the number one. You can follow our wonderful producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. And today we have two very special guests uh, from the Corey and Richie show, uh, Richie Flores and Corey Crenshaw. You can follow Richie at rflores91 and Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's at the end. And you can follow their podcast show at Corey underscore Richie show. Did I nail that? I think I nailed that. Three cheers for you, Mikey. Wow. I did it. How's everyone doing? Mikey. Should we should we tell the listeners how nervous I was that you would nail that? Or should we let them go on believing that I had full faith in you the entire time? You yeah. I'm willing, yeah. To, I'm willing to say I believed in you the entire time. It was yeah, that was just flawless a flawless performance by me. Never a doubt. Performance yet. How's everyone doing? Corey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I was drinking a, a wine while that was being asked, so that's Beautiful. why I didn't respond right away. I was I was currently um, ingesting alcohol, but Wait, so I'm doing great. You're drinking wine. Uh, if anybody could hear the crinkling, uh, Richie is drinking. What is that, Richie? Uh, Corey got me a new bottle of Gentleman Jack for my birthday. And that's what I'm drinking right now. I'm drinking Gentleman Jack on the rocks. It's delicious. I love it. It's a really delicious bourbon. So this is what I have, this is what I have to do when I uh, when I come on your guys' podcast is drink. <laughs> oh, man. Mikey, are you drinking? Uh, so that's a get off like side one here. I'm just drinking a Diet Coke, but over the weekend I may have accidentally drank a pint of Jameson on, <laughs> on Saturday night and I was literally feeling it for two days. So one uh, does for sure. Th- that's I that's what happens when you're 30 and decide to and I like happened it was an accident. I I actually like uh I decided to go in half with Max, uh our producer on uh the NHL TV package. So I was like up late watching games that had nothing to do. And then, yeah, uh, next thing I know, I was up till 3 a.m. But uh, so I'm just drinking Diet Coke right now. So I'm sorry I'm not partaking in the fun. He just tripped and it fell down his throat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it was an accident. Like every other day of my life, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm drinking a Gatorade and I have a what color? Have the coffee next to me too, in case I get too sleepy. What color Gatorade? Blue. Oh, okay. I'm so I'm currently very conflicted. Not to get off on too much of a beverage tangent here, but uh, Gatorade came out with this group of flavors. I feel like three or four years ago that were scrumptious like they were delightful and they had one that was like a tealish color and it was like a tropical punch or something and it was probably the best flavor of sports drink I've ever found and I loved it and I bought it all the time and then I stopped finding it and I thought that maybe the gas station by me was just cheaping out and then I couldn't find it at 
the grocery store and I thought that maybe it was just my part of Glendale that didn't have it. And then after a while, the only place that I could find it was on road trips when I was in like Gila Bend, Arizona, which is like the middle of, pardon my French, middle of bumfuck nowhere. Um, and realized that it was like a three-year-old bottle of Gatorade. And so I Googled it and they discontinued the series of Gatorade that I had grown to love so much. So now I just buy them in the giant bulk packs because I I feel like there's no passion for the individual big bottles anymore. And on that note, um, <laughs> we we specifically wanted to have our delightful friends Corey and Richie on tonight. Number one, because they let me spit my really stupid takes on their show far too often. And I figured it was time to return the favor and have some some smart takes on for once, uh, other than Mikey's, obviously. Um, yes, my perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You're perfect. My perfect and takes. Number two, because the Coyotes uh, are in kind of a, the Arizona Coyotes are in kind of a unique situation right now where it's uh, the beginning of February and they're basically playing a playoff series, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, first, we kind of wanted to talk for a second about the last few weeks and uh, the COVID postponements that have been happening. Um, as a rundown, today alone, while we're recording, we're recording Tuesday night. Uh, there are three separate postponements happening today. Uh, the league has taken some of the older postponements off of their NHL app, which is how I was trying to track them. Um, and so it's kind of hard to take just a quick glance back through, but I feel like there have been at least 30 now. I think we've probably hit the 30 game mark, um, which to put that in perspective, uh, the MLB, who we all made fun of when a couple of teams just like couldn't get their shit together, had 43 total games postponed during their season um they had a season that was what 60 games long? 60 games yeah 60, 60 games. games yeah more games per team than the nhl is going to have um and they played some rich you said they played some double headers to make it up right they i think they pretty much got their entire season in because they play a lot of like seven inning seven. double headers. yeah games. yep and they're doing that again they the mlbpa just and the, the league just agreed to do that again this year uh but they were they're going to be doing their full 162 game season the MLB. But yes, uh, that 60 game season, they made that new rule uh, seven inning doubleheaders instead of the regular nine inning doubleheaders for because they had to make up you know so many games. Which and that's the thing is it seemed like they had to make up so many games. They had 43 total postponed. The NHL is. I think the team that's played the most games, just taking a quick glance at it, it's probably the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, the Canucks. Who've gotten to play everything. Um, they've played 16 games. Uh, one other team has played 15. One has played 14. And other than that, uh, sorry, there are two that have played 14. And most have played between 11 and 13 so far. Um, yep. Other than the teams that are dealing with all of their delays, um, all of their postponements, and it doesn't look like those postponements are slowing down anytime soon. Um, the NBA's only had 23 postponed so far. Um, the NFL had, uh, when I was pulling up articles, the one that I found had 18 total games postponed through week 13. That's not great, um, but still, I, I would say probably fewer than the NHL has managed to have so far. Um, 
and the NHL certainly hasn't hit what would have what would be the equivalent of a 16 week season playing one a week. Um, the NFL, I believe, probably will still be the the record holder for players and personnel testing positive, because uh, according to the Washington Post, between August 1st and December 26th, uh, the NFL had 222 players and 396 other personnel test positive, which is bananas. Um, but the NHL's really given it the old college try with uh, trying to hit that number. Um, Corey, do you have any thoughts on just the shit show that's been going on lately? Well, I, in a way, I kind of felt like it was inevitable because of the fact that, um, you know, no matter what in hockey, you're going to be breathing down each other's throats is kind of part of the game. And so when you're going into a a season where you're, you have a virus that's so highly transmissible and it's transmissible through the air, you're, you're going to end up hitting it somehow. And how they put together this jam-packed schedule, it was kind of made for destruction in the fact that there is so little breathing room in it that they ha- they honestly should have been coming up with backup plans before the season even started because of the fact that it is so tightly wound and it doesn't leave room for error and so now you're going to have to end up going into these situations of how you are going to um you know kind of figure out how the the scoring is going to work now that most likely there's going to be teams that will not be playing the same amount of games as other teams. You think they're going to have to cut teams short of the 56? Yeah. Yeah. How short do you think they're going to have to cut it? What would your guesstimation based on what we've seen so far, how short do you think they're going to have to cut some of the teams? Well, I think it highly depends on, I'm allowed to cut curse on here, right? No, this is a no? G-rated. Yes, I, yeah. Do you know who you're okay. fucking talking to? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's what I. Well, I know you guys. I don't. I didn't know for sure on the podcast. Just double checking. Um, you know, some people's parents listen sometimes and stuff. Um, <laughs> but so, um, it it really depends on how big a fuckers these players want to be, honestly, because if they really want to try and not take this seriously and go out and get COVID and keep spreading it, you're going to have teams that are going to have drastically short seasons. Like I could say even in like the forties, because of the fact that you they're so close together that if you keep on having players coming down with it over and over and over again, you're going to be dropping out of, you know, because the fact that most of the time, I think they lowered it now to what you can do if you've been in contact, you can do seven days, but if you've had it still the full 14, correct? Is that what it is now? Yes. I think it's something like that, yeah. I know it's the so, full 14 if you've had it. Yeah, so if it's like the full 14 if you've had it, think about how many games you'll miss in those full 14 as it is. And then if you constantly are getting multiple people on this team sick, even if you have a taxi squad, you you have to have enough players to play a game. And if it just keeps on kind of uh, snowballing like that, you're going to end up missing a, a solid chunk of games because of how tight the schedule is. So I could see even somewhere in the 40s. Ooh. Richie, what do you think? I, I wonder if they can't do this because of the CBA, obviously, and the rules of the, of the sport. I don't know what they agreed on prior to the season, but last year it was based on points percentage, right? Yeah. That's our- 
That's how they decided the um, 24 teams. And that's probably going to happen again. So I don't know if the amount of games is going to matter. Although if you're looking at a situation where, you know, you get eight out of the 16 teams that make the playoffs that play the full 56 and then the other eight only play 45, well, that's way too big of a discrepancy in my mind. So I wonder if the NHL, the best option in my opinion would be the ideal situation would be to extend the season past what they want to, but that's not going to happen, right? Because of their TV deals and, and NBC having the Olympics and they're basically cutting it really close. The end of the season's coming in early July, I believe. And then the Olympics take right over. So the only option they have is to do it by points percentage. And I have a feeling that, you know, we're going to see pretty much every team in the league. They're not going to be able to finish 56 games. Uh, the NHL is just hoping that they can finish as many as possible. That's the one thing I will commend the NFL on is that somehow, some way, I never expected this to happen. They got in every single one of their games. Every team played all 16 regular season games. The Super Bowl happened on time. And despite all of the COVID outbreaks that there was among like your, your Baltimore Ravens and, and others um, among the NFL. So, the NHL is fucked is basically what I'm trying to say. They got a mess on their hand. Yeah, it's really interesting because, Kat, you brought up we had baseball and uh, with 43. And it seems like that kind of happened right off like right off the bat, right, right at the start of the season and, you know, the beginning of the season. And then they kind of redid their protocols and made way more strict protocols. And this is when, you know, in some spots, numbers were way down in the summer, and um, baseball's a little easier. You're outside, you're spread apart. You know, it's not uh, as physical as football, basketball, and hockey. But the, you know, they re- they made stricter protocols, and then they didn't have as many uh, post moments. Same thing just happened with basketball too. The NBA, the NBA, there was a while there where so many games were getting canceled, um, and they redid their protocols again, made it even more stricter. And it seems like knock on wood they're doing okay i haven't i haven't heard anything about any postponement postponements and uh they they also have stricter protocols now so i i wonder if doing that will help i know the nhl said they they took the glass away from behind the coaches for uh better air ventilation i don't know what that really does but thing like all these other leagues ended up tightening down on protocols, right? Yeah, yeah. And the NHL said, oh, we're going to tighten down on protocols. Here, we're going to take the glass away behind the benches so the air circulates better. Um, and then we we literally had a video last night, so Monday night, of Edmonton Oilers head coach Dave Tippett pulling his mask down to his chin and getting like closer to a ref's face to yell at him, which yeah. is... That's not how masks work. It's, if it's you're gonna have wearing masks, yeah, and pull it down, fine him, eject him. Like that. That should be an unsportsmanlike conduct. And the NHL's like, oh, we took the glass down from behind well, him. I guess a, it's gonna work now. That's another thing. I don't understand why. I, I I can understand. Like, I I don't. It's it's an empty arena. I I I think you should be able to. The that's ref the, can. Not an empty arena for all of them. That's half the problem. Yeah, just like I'm sure they can hear you. I don't know why you're taking your mask down. Like, there's <laughs> no one there. Like, it, what are you doing? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer is because basketball is also very. They they're playing in bas. You know, they're playing in the same arenas basically, right? And basketball is also a very. You're on top of each other. 
but they they seem to get a control of their outbreaks, whereas hockey, it's just like it's. Are are we getting close to herd immunity? I'm not even kidding. Like you look at the number of teams that there's a new strain. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Um, the only the only like positive is that uh, we're kind of on a downtrend. It, like in the United States, the Canadian le- uh, the Canadian division has had no cancellations, so that's great for them. Uh, cases are going down, and hopefully, we'll get you know, access to more vaccines as we get inch closer to the spring. But right now it's just, I, I don't know what they do. It's a clusterfuck. They, I, they really have to make stricter, uh, have a stricter protocol and talk about a bad look is on Sunday after the Super Bowl, you had the entire Tampa Bay lightning team all take a picture together, like congregating, taking a picture get together and, uh, Stamkos posting on Twitter. It's like, ugh, I, they're all wearing masks, but it's just, that's the thing is at least they were all wearing masks. And I, I zoomed in on the picture and it looks like Bobrovsky's might have been like, it might've slipped to the bottom of his nose, but none of them were wearing it. Cause we've, we've all seen someone who wears their mask where they put it on yeah, and then yeah. they like readjust it so that it, like the top of the mask is at their top lip. So it's barely covering their mouth. And Bob's the only one who it looked like his mask might've been sliding, but he didn't have it just around his mouth. Like he, he at the very least had it up higher. It just looked like it slid down. So they were all wearing it properly at least, which is a step above what they looked like during, like when they were all arriving at the bubble and when they were all, getting ready for the bubble. Like when they were all showing up to that abbreviated training camp in August, half the players were showing up with their mask under their nose. Um, And so at least they're doing that. And I'm hoping that like we saw quotes from the Washington Capitals today where Ilya Samsonov, he straight up admitted, he said that he could barely walk and he was having trouble breathing during his bout with COVID and you know what? Good. A player's being upfront about it. He's being honest. He's trying to let people know, like, hey, that's an athlete who's in peak condition. And it sounds like he was pretty scared by it. Um, I know Evgeny Kuznetsov, like, made his little off. He made an offhand joke. He was like, I'm not scared by anything. I'm from Russia. Um, but it didn't sound like he was saying, like, no, it's a hoax. He, he just yeah, made maybe a joke that people don't. I think some people probably didn't appreciate it, but he certainly wasn't just calling it a hoax. He just, you know, he was like, ah, in Mother Russia, we don't, COVID don't scare us. We scare COVID. So um, look, I, I want to ask you, what what is the solution here? Because it seems like uh, there, hopefully, like our country will have vaccines available in April and May for, you know, the general public, but... We're in February now with the season. There's that's a that's still for an NHL season. That's still a lot of games till April and May before you could start. You know, because you don't want it. You don't want it, You know, these athletes to jump the line ahead of anyone or anything like that. And they're not going to go back in a bubble right now. So, what would your guys' solution be? You know, pause the season, or what do you, what do you think? Or just try to make stricter protocols like the other leagues? Do you start levying heavier fines? I would. I would have fined Dave Tippett last night. I would have absolutely fined him for it. Um, and you can, you can put out a PSA. This is a, it's a novel, it's a novel coronavirus. Like this is new. So you can change your protocol and you can change 
what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do pretty much day by day and add more things that that don't fly. So saying, hey, if you get caught pulling your mask down to address the ref like that, that's a fine. If you get caught taking your mask off before you're supposed to, that's a fine. Players are going to have to put their mask on as soon as they sit on the bench. If you don't do it, that's a fine. Like, I think that's perfectly fair. And that, at the very least, would would prevent some of the transmission to the officials, who are really the only ones who are going to be getting that close to the players. Um, I don't know. That's It sounds like a that's barely a solution. Um, I can't really, that's the thing. I don't really know what else you, you can do other than potentially ask the players to stay in a hotel. Um, I don't think the players are going to agree to at this point. You have to implement fines within the team. That's a good idea. Yeah. I don't even care. Start a fucking kangaroo court, call your own teammates out because if you guys want to fucking play, then you need to actually act like adults and be able to get through it. And that's the thing is it's part of your job. Like if you are required as part of your job to, you know, follow these protocols and not get sick so you can finish a season. And that's what you have to do, whether you believe in it or not. I know that in the NFL, at least, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the NFL levied even more fines recently to the New Orleans Saints because of how badly they broke protocol this year. I believe it was in excess of, Half a million dollars that they find them, which is a yeah. drop, and the drop drop in the bucket for an NFL franchise worth billions. So like, ah, cool, but like I believe it came out, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, one of the stars of the Saints, g- got busted because in the NFL this year, every single player and coach and, and member of the staff had to essentially wear a contact tracing bracelet when they were in the facility. So that they they knew, and if you watched Hard Knocks, you saw this. Like, if you got anywhere near somebody, like it would go off and beep. And apparently, one of the Saints players just didn't do this. So I wonder. You remember in the NBA bubble too, everybody had to wear some sort of rings and whatnot. That like, oh yeah, where everybody went. And I, I wonder if that's the case for the NHL, where they're like, all right, we're gonna go full police state, granny state on your ass. We're gonna put a fucking tracker on you. We're gonna figure out where you go, and if you break protocol, you get suspended. And now, and without pay or something like that. Granted, that's going to be a CBA issue, but that's yeah. like the best thing they can do is is try and find a way to figure out who is who are the culprits that are breaking protocol, and 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 you know find them or suspend them or something to that effect. But at this point, I think it's like too far gone. It's like yeah. I don't know if anything else the NHL can do at this point. They can make them wear bubbles. They all have to wear bubble masks. That's what. So that I, way, well, college like. I watch all of the Merrimack college games and like a lot of the schools that they're, they've, they're wearing the bubble shields, which uh, that kind of has to help. Right. Like the, the visor having the visors over and they also have a mask kind of thing over like in their helmet too. That kind of has to help. Like, could you, I don't know. That's that could maybe do something. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would channel the air down at least. So you wouldn't be breathing straight into someone's face. I mean, air would still be coming out, but I mean, I don't really see a difference between that and the people who are walking around all over the place with face shields on calling the mask. That's yeah, that's true. Well, another angle about this is what is the NHL's testing protocol here? Because from my understanding, they don't, they don't test every day. Is that right? 
like when they go to the rink, they're not doing it. So they do the regular. Uh, I it? believe it was the first two weeks they had to test every day. But and was it I think it was you, Richie, was telling me that. I don't remember if it was you or Mikey, one of you guys was telling me that the onus is on the teams. The teams have to fund their their own tests. The teams have to provide their own tests. And I know that at least one of the tweets I saw today about the Washington Capitals and the Philadelphia Flyers who had their game postponed today uh, was that one of the two teams was dissatisfied with the efficacy of the rapid tests that they were using um, because apparently they they tested yesterday. Everybody tested negative, you know, cleared to play the game. They ended up playing the game. And then when they tested today, somebody tested positive. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know what happened there, but somebody was dissatisfied with the testing that they were using. Um, and so I don't know if everybody's using the same type of test. I believe they're using rapid tests, which from my understanding, aren't nearly as effective. They have what, like a 60% success rate or 60 percent failure rate or something in that like depends when you're how like how it it gets less accurate the more recent you've been exposed i think that's insane the fact that they're using those as their daily daily testing kits that's i mean so as someone who full disclosure for our, our lovely listeners um Everyone heard that I, I had laryngitis a couple weeks ago, and I found out after the fact that somebody who I coach with um, had tested positive for COVID. So I actually got to spend my birthday um, getting a COVID test and tested negative. But that test isn't fun. Like getting that wand stuck up your nose, not fun. They, they swizzle that thing around there. I'm pretty sure they cleaned parts of my brain that really probably needed to be cleaned if we're being honest um they probably gained me a couple iq points but it's not a fun test it's not a pleasant test um for the pcr test they had to dig farther up and they had to dig around for longer than the rapid um but the thing is like it's more accurate and if you guys want to play deal with it so i just i just looked they haven't this was an article from four days ago. Uh, they hadn't been using uh, rapid tests yet. I think they're going to start using that on top of the PCR because the PCR is more accurate. But it's been taking the NHL. You know, you have to. They have to send it out after uh, to a lab or whatever, so they don't get the results right away, and then they go and play the game. And I'm pretty sure that's something that that's what happened with uh, the Devils and Sabers. Uh, was that last weekend or a couple weekends ago, where? Uh, the Devils had guys that were, I think, that had inconclusive tests but still played. And then, uh, Kat, you mentioned it before the show. Basically, both both teams got in, and the refs all got infected. So, uh, yeah, I don't... Th- this protocol doesn't seem to be working right now. Yeah, Richie, what's that? Uh, do you have the full tweet? Because um, when we were mm-hmm. essentially writing out the the episode here Richie pulled up a stunning tweet and let's have him let's have him read it here from the athletic NHL I believe this was from yesterday all told 24 players who skated in the two games between the Sabres and Devils on January 30th and 31st have entered COVID-19 protocols 
And on top of that, the two linesmen who worked both games have also entered protocols. <laughs> that's that's shocking. Right. And for whatever reason, the NHL is saying, well, we don't know if it's being, if there's cross-team contamination or whatever. It's like, come on. <laughs> yes, there obviously is. Just there's your example right there. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hockey. You're You're literally yeah. getting blood on people at times. Like, please don't act like they're not breathing on each other throughout an entire game. Right. And you're playing, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, playing in the cold doesn't help, right? Like ice is cold. I'm sure the, the environment that like helps the virus live more than being, you know, outside or whatever. So um, yeah, that, it's been a very fun couple weeks with it's, it's, it's really nice to have hockey back, but also it really fucking sucks at the same time. Which is how it normally is being an NHL fan, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> as soon as uh, as soon as we got through a few of these postponements and basically it came out the teams are the way that they're operating is and this this might actually be the biggest change that they can make to tighten down on it, and they might need to get the NHLPA's approval for it. If I'm the NHLPA, I say yes. Um, but if your results have not come back yet, you are assumed negative until you test positive. And I think it should be the other way around. Until you have tested negative. Yeah, how is that how is that how is that allowed? It's, because... it's not just the NHL. It's who was it for Kevin the NBA? Durant, Kevin baby. Durant, God bless. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. So I think that that's the number one thing that has to change if they want this to work doesn't matter if it's rapid test pcr test who cares if you keep treating players as presumed negative until you get that positive result while a test is outstanding like there's no way it's it's gonna get better from here they're innocent until proven guilty cat (laughs) on a that's basically what it is on a more positive note, though, let's let's shift to some individual teams, uh, because speaking of all the COVID postponements, um, part of the reason we wanted to have Corey and Richie on tonight, um, the Arizona Coyotes and the St. Louis Blues um, have now played four consecutive games against each other and have three more coming up. Um, they were supposed to play a two-game series. Am I correct about that? Two games? Then played two games against someone else, two mm-hmm. games against the Blues, played three games, end up with another one against the Blues. And basically, because they were supposed to play against the Avalanche and the Blues were supposed to play against the Wild and vice versa, um, the Wild and the Avalanche are both currently in COVID protocol. Um, so they said, all right, the Coyotes are in St. Louis. While you guys are there, why don't you just finish out the rest of your games against each other? So, So they've played... They're going to play a seven-game series here, which is that's that's not something that happens in hockey. And I know that Pierre Lebrun of uh, the Athletic and TSN. No disrespect to Pierre, great guy. Um, we got into a little bit of a disagreement because he was saying that the the Northern Division, which is the Canadian Division, had this imposing shadow that it was casting upon everyone else. Oh my God, I saw that tweet. Oh my, sorry. Go ahead. And I kind of get where he's coming from because. Up in up in Canada, it is. It's it's madness. It's pandemonium when it comes to covering hockey and watching it because it's constantly Canada versus Canada, which that's that's their main sport that's going on right now. And Bianca Andreescu 
was just eliminated at the Australian Open in the second round tonight. So they don't even have BB to cheer for. Like, they're focusing on all the other teams kicking the ever-loving shit out of the Canucks and the Senators, who, shout out to the Senators, as of tonight, have a .179 win percentage this year. <laughs> they are 2-11-1. That's shocking. That's appalling. But along those lines, you know, he said that it part of the reason that it looked that it's so big up there right now is every game feels like a playoff game. You know, they've got this super hyped atmosphere and that's kind of what the Coyotes and the Blues are getting right now. Cause every game is essentially a four point game this year. Um, and especially for the Blues and the Coyotes, because right now the Coyotes are sitting in fourth in the Honda West division. They just bumped ahead of Anaheim. Um, and then there's Colorado, then Vegas, then St. Louis. And the points differential between fourth and first is three. So if the Coyotes take the next two games against the Blues and they have three more to go, they flip-flop in the standings. And so it's been, I know for me, it's been super fun watching everything that's been happening between those two teams because they've been exciting games. Uh, but I'm going to turn it over to to Richie and Corey um, to just talk a little bit about how that's been for, for the Coyotes so I, far. I have a quick question first. So he, what is he trying to insinuate in, in this tweet that sounds like it's Canadian teams playing Canadian teams. It's can't like uh, hockey's bigger than ever in Canada. Like what is he comparing it to like the general time? Because it's, it's not like hockey isn't their biggest sport anyway. It's the the atmosphere up there right now, and, and he's right. He's he's absolutely right. Right now, hockey's being watched with kind of the same fervor that they watch the World Juniors, um, which even the casual fans who only really tune in for the playoffs are watching the games. Um, and so it is. It's really big, but I kind of disagreed with him because he, he almost made it seem like because he he said that up in Canada, you're not hearing anything about the American teams. It's it's all, and he thought that it was because it was all Canadian all the time, and it's wonderful, and we're just, the American teams aren't resonating as much. And I said, well, no offense, and Sean Shapiro, who now covers uh, the NHL business side for The Athletic, uh, he, he backed me up on this. Scott Campbell, who used to play for the Houston Arrows, he backed me up on this. Um, we were like, no offense, but we're not hearing a lot about the Canadian teams unless we actively seek it out. Like, I have a bunch of Canucks followers. I have a bunch of Oilers followers. God bless them. I have my delightful Flames followers. Um, so I'm seeing a, a decent amount about those games from my you only hear You only hear about the Canadian League when you want to hear about, like, the fucking gong show that is the Vancouver Canucks or the Ottawa Cent. Like exactly there are a lot of those teams there are, are teams that are not very good in that division they're like the the maple leaves are the best and the canadians are really good the rest are average to below average like i don't get what we're talking i yeah so and so we did we ended up disagreeing on it um yeah. but i don't want to i don't want to make it all negative the whole time because we did just spend 20 minutes talking about no, it's, i do want to focus on the positive because it's the nice that they're playing all their games like that is awesome and it it, it it is nice that there's like for like diehard hockey fans like us at least there's there right now there will always be a game to watch every night because the canadian teams are able to get all their games in so that that's cool I will that, oh yeah no and i wasn't trying to keep it negative i was more just honestly 
like confused by the tweet in itself. Like I just felt like he was making it sound like, you know, like here in the US as if, you know, we were watching a bunch of soccer all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, like it, like as if it came out of nowhere. I, I do understand what you're saying now, but I was more just kind of confused off the bat of like what he was trying to say out of that. But now, now it makes more sense. It it makes sense in theory, but I don't I don't necessarily agree with it, especially because we have stuff like like uh, I'll let either you, Corey, or you, Richie, talk a little bit about the game tying goal in the Coyotes Blues game last night. That was bonkers. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was some of the craziest two minutes of of a NHL game in a regular season you'll ever see. For those of you that did not see it, let me explain the events that led up to the Coyotes tying the game with less than a second remaining. So uh, it's a it's a one goal game. It's three to two. The entire game was back and forth. Coyotes were down twice in the game, both one to nothing and two to one. Came back and tied it. St. Louis got a goal early in the third period because Darcy Kemper fucked up on that third goal. And the Coyotes were down. They started to play back on their heels. It was looking like the Coyotes were going to take another loss because they weren't really playing that great. And then the intervening series of events, Clayton Keller, the hometown kid in St. Louis, he takes a really bad penalty in the offensive zone, goes to the box, game's over, right? Not so fast. Just about 30 seconds later, the uh, Blues take a penalty. And and uh, and so it's it's – I believe it's this four on four at that point. And then, oh, yeah, Connor Garland also gets called for embellishment on that same penalty. So, bullshit. yeah, it's it was ridiculous. It was the dumbest call you'll ever see. So, that's everything that led up to the Coyotes then getting a power play of their own at the very end of the game. They were skating six on four. Clayton Keller gets out of the box. He said after the game that he was joking with Connor Garland, who was in the box with him at the time that like, they're just like, I'm just going to get to the net. I'm going to go to the net when I get out of the box. And that's exactly what he did. And he redeemed himself off a beautiful pass from Christian Dvorak on like a twirly bird backhand, no look, just sexy pass. Clayton Keller buries the puck with, I believe 0.6 seconds left on the clock. Coyotes go to overtime. They end up winning a shootout. And, um, and I, in my opinion, and I'm sure Corey, you think the same way, it felt like one of those wins for the Coyotes that was a, it's a signature win for them that they can look back on and go, listen, we were down in this game three different times against a team that is expected to be a Stanley Cup contender this year. And we came back and we beat them. And we didn't give up. We got our, our big-time players, the short leash line, dominating once again. Kat can talk about and wax poetic about Christian Dvorak in a moment. But it's one of those wins that – I feel like the Coyotes as a team can use as a springboard and be like, listen, we were kind of afterthoughts this year. A lot of people didn't have us making the playoffs. And you know what? We can do this. We won three to one row now against St. Louis on the road, all in different ways. And we can use this game as a springboard to say, listen, we belong. We belong in the playoffs and we belong in the conversation. And uh, and Rick talked after the game, he was, you know, he seemed very, very happy with his, with his team kind of explaining how, if you think about it, and the Coyotes, what, 13 games so far this season? Um, they only really played one really bad game. Yeah, uh, 12 games. In their 12 games this season, they've only really played one bad game, and I agree with that. 
and they're staying competitive. They're getting production up and down the lineup. Um, Darcy Kemper's starting to play at least a little bit better from early on this season, right, Kat? He's, he started out with like an 860 save percentage. That's above 900 now, so it's back to like league, <laughs> basically back to around a little above league average. And and uh, I'm excited to see the rest of the three games because all of a sudden now, I believe their Coyotes are like 9-3 and three against the St. Louis Blues over the last 12 games or something similar to that. And so you're, lo- you're looking at this and you're going, this is a good matchup for us now. And the Coyotes are in a good place, Corey. I'm really this team is really fun to become a really fun team to watch. Damn, Richie, save some of that for our podcast. Like I could just take that entire snippet and just throw that in there. That was that was good. That was you <laughs> bring your A game on their podcast. He was so Damn. About it last night that he pulled up the video of the Clayton Keller goal before we started watching Weeds. And we watched it. I think we watched it. Like more than one time. We watched it three times. One for the Christian Dvorak <laughs> pass, one for the Clayton <laughs> Keller goal, and the third time because uh, Christian Dvorak. Oh, we watched the Christian Dvorak game winner uh, in the shootout where he didn't smile, <laughs> which was just perfect. Which did anyone notice how pissed off Garland looked before he went into his shot? Like it. It was really great because it gave me the ability to to make a total dad joke and say that he really embellished that shootout goal. But, like, it, the best part was honestly seeing his face. Like, he looked like someone who's going to take, like, candy from a baby. He was pissed after that embellishment call. And he was just been, he's been the chirpiest player on that team. And, like, him being a little shit on this team basically all season now has been kind of what gives me life because of the fact that this team didn't really have that fire underneath him. And the only person that would show up in some of these games was Connor Garland. Um, when it comes to Clayton Keller sca- scoring that goal at the very end, it's about damn time because of the fact that I have been complaining, and Richie couldn't attest to this, I've been complaining about him for so long now because of the fact that he has the talent and he has the ability, and he's been put in positions to be able to score goals and really actually make a difference on this team. And he hasn't been doing that. Luckily, um, St. Louis is his hometown, and he really seems to shine whenever he's there. Um, it's uh, the one time that he actually puts in the effort that we all know that he has in him. He, What he lacks in size, he actually does have in talent. It's just whether he actually decides to put that on the ice or not is is the big differentiator for him. And we even kind of joked and called this the the Keller Cup because of the fact that you are playing seven games. It's essentially like you're playing for the Cup. And the fact that they are really actually going into this and trying to what appears they're taking it as if it's a series and trying to win the series is, is pretty dope because of the fact that they didn't really have this fire before. And there was a few times during the beginning of uh, this season that I was wondering, is this the point where it's going to start going downhill? And this has really been their time coming back up from that. And so I think it was actually very fortunate in the fact that they were stuck with St. Louis for this long because of the fact that they seem to always be St. Louis's like the thorn in their side. And they have similar styles of play. St. Louis is a little bit bigger and a little bit grittier than the Coyotes are, but they seem to get under their skin. And uh, it's kind of the motivation that they need because if they can keep up that style of play and they can keep up just like I've been saying, like for a while now is just annoying the fuck out of other teams. Like they don't have the size, but they can get under people's skin. And if they do that properly, that's how they're going to be winning these games. Yeah, it's uh, 
like you were saying, um, Clayton Keller and Mikey, I, I don't know if I sent it to you last night. Um, I decided to look it up just because it seems like every time the Coyotes play the Blues, they beat them, which is crazy because the Blues are a good team. Like, that's a team that's supposed to challenge for the Cup. And the only time in recent memory that I've watched them just really shit the bed against the Blues was that game where Auntie Ranta kept the game tied at 0-0 until the last minute and a half of the game. And then he allowed the first goal scored by either team. Uh, he faced something like over 45 shots. Um, I think he ended up facing like 48 or something stupid like that. And the goalie on the other side of the ice faced 14. The Coyotes took 14 shots in three periods of hockey, and the other team took nearly 50. Um, but other than that, you know, they do usually seem to beat them, at least in the last couple of years. And a lot of that is because of Clayton Keller. I know I, I tweeted it out last night. Uh, Clayton Keller... Over the course of his career, he's nearing up on 300 games so far. Um, usually a pretty good sample size there. You know, once they've, once a player's been around for that long, you you assume you know what they are. Um, he's played 249 regular season games, has 58 goals, 166 points. That's good for 0.66 points per game. That's not an all-star player, but it's not bad either. Um, but against the Blues... He's played 15 games and has 13 points. That's four goals and nine assists. Uh, that's 0.87 points per game. So he's nearly a point per game against his hometown team. When you take out his games against the Blues, his career points per game drops from a 66 to like a 61. Um, so he drops a pretty substantial amount once you take out his quality play against his hometown. Um, so we're getting it, you know, we're getting all his points for the season out of the way right now. That's I guess that's nice. Um, maybe it'll fire him up. You know, maybe he'll he'll get that confidence and he'll get his rhythm going and he'll at least carry it, that momentum through the, I'd say, the next 10 or so games after that. Um, he usually does start to peter out after he has a really nice hot streak, but at the very least, that gets them to the halfway point in the season. Maybe he'll, he'll carry it beyond that point. Um, but it should get the rest of the team going, too. And that's that's the thing is the Coyotes, I know we were talking about it here at home. Um, we were talking about teams like uh, like Tom Brady with the Patriots and now with the Buccaneers and Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, those are guys and those are teams that even when they're down, you think it's very feasible that they're going to come back. When the Coyotes are down or when they're playing poorly or when they're getting shut out, uh, you kind of feel like they're going to keep it up. <laughs> you don't really see that they they manage to come back, so they have to ride a high for a while. And, and so it's nice to see them riding that high. They have won their last three consecutive games. They're currently on the best winning streak in the Honda West division, um, which is nice because uh, for a while there, they were, they were kind of being overtaken a little bit by the Anaheim Ducks, who have been riding on John Gibson's good goaltending. Um, that seems to have cooled off a little bit. They've officially dropped to a 500 points percentage. The Ducks, uh, the Coyotes are at a 5, 0.542, which isn't amazing. Um, it's not like Tampa Bay, who are 8-1-1. One, and one. It's not like the the beloved Boston Bruins, who are 8-1-2. and two. Um, But it's, you know, it's all right. Um, and speaking of guys like, like Clayton Keller, who... Uh, 
had his his surprising run right there. I did want to to keep up our positive streak for a little bit. Um, and we'll let we'll let Mikey start here since he's gotten to sit so quiet and patient talking about the Coyotes. Um, I know Mikey's a big Coyotes fan. He watches every game when they start. Uh, it was funny though. I was actually uh, I was. Because what time was the game on? Let the Coy- the I think it was on. A lot of it was on during the same time uh, the Islander Ranger game was on. So actually, I did have my eye on the Coyotes Blues game. I like I was checking the score during uh, the Islander game, and I I saw they were down with you know a minute left or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, this game's over. And then <laughs> I I turned on the highlights and I saw that I'm like, what? They tied it. <laughs> and yeah, that was a that was a that was like the very definition of a buzzer beater that uh. Wait, who scored the goal? You're, you're... Uh, Clayton Keller. Oh, Clay, Clayton Keller, and that's the kid. That's the one that he's the guy from St. Louis. I uh, yes, yes it is. Mikey's been and Mikey's listening. been listening really yeah. well. Um, but well, and Wait. Mikey, you could have you missed out. You could have heard a basketball uh, play-by-play <laughs> call over the top of a hockey game. That's true. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, the audio cut out. Yeah, explain um, that, Corey, because you got to hear most of that. I, I didn't. I was able to listen to the radio feed. So, yeah, like, that was wild. It was really funny. You need to explain what happened. Um, So, the Blues scored, and, like, right after they scored, the uh, audio feed for Fox Sports Arizona just absolutely cut. And then, all of a sudden, you start hearing, like, whistles, and you start hearing, like, like feet kind of moving on a court and then you hear people talking and then you start hearing about shot clocks and you're you start going okay we're listening to basketball and then I'm not a big basketball person so like my boyfriend's like listening and he's like listening to the players he's like I think this is the Toronto Memphis game this isn't even the Suns where are they getting this feed from and I go I have no idea so they go through that right and you hear another big like loud noise afterwards and then it's just like this like really calm, really serene um, hockey ASMR where there is no like talking over the top of it. It's just the sound of the play, which was actually kind of the best part. And then they come back and, and Matt, their play-by-play guy, is talking, but they can't get their color guy, Tyson Nash, to come on there. So he keeps talking to him and Tyson doesn't respond because he can't. And every single time he tries to, it's it's like really terrible feedback. So uh, they played through probably half of that period with either basketball um, play-by-play over the top of it, no audio at all, or just the play-by-play guy. And they finally got the color guy back at the end. Wow. That's, that's, that's funny, but it's not the funniest thing about that that game that was the fact that um at one point i thought the coyotes had lost um because the nhl app it it jumps ahead a little bit at times and so it'll show the time will be running down but it won't always get the update fast enough and so the clock ran out but it didn't get the update that the team that the coyotes had scored to tie it so it said end time um, like that the game was over and it showed that the blues had won and then they realized that the Coyotes had tied it. And so it became an OT game, but then somehow, 
somebody did something wrong when they were uploading it. Um, and so for a while, it said that the Blues had won in the shootout. I think they they got it fixed after about 20 minutes or something. But for a little while there, it definitely showed that the Blues had won the game, which was uh, not true. Um, <laughs> so so that's a thing that happened. Um, and it, it definitely made me laugh a little bit. Um, but yeah, Mikey, um, we'll start with you. I want to hear who everybody has been the most pleasantly surprised with this year. One player who has just just pleasantly surprised you in terms of their performance. And it can't be like, oh, my God, Matt Barzell is doing as well as I expected him to. Um, God damn it. Uh, all right. <laughs> I know you. Pick someone I know. Uh, I will go with... Um... I didn't want to go with him because I am so bad at pronouncing names. And I, these guys have such uh, Varlamov. How do you say his first name, Kat? Varlamov? Yeah, Varlamov. Uh, who, who for, <laughs> he's always been a pretty good starter. Um, like, he's he's always been a solid to above average uh, NHL starter. Uh, right now, he has a, his goals against average is 1.88 and his save percentage is 0.932. Um Probably not sustainable, but he, you know, he's playing. He, he has two great uh, goaltending coaches with uh, Mitch Korn and uh, Pierre Greco, and uh, you know, he, he plays in Barry Trot's system where they don't. He, the Islanders are in the top ten for high danger chances against, so they don't give a lot of uh, high danger chances. So you know, he's able. He's seeing the puck well. He's not under. Uh, too much duress and when he is he's making big saves so uh he's been playing really well and he's stolen you know a handful of games for the islanders and it'll be curious to see uh if he's able to keep it up um for whatever reason goalies tend to do really well in barry trot system we saw robin leonard was able to resurrect his uh career with the islanders and it seems like varlamov is uh you know right now he's he's on his way to start a majority of these games, uh, there was some speculation that he might lose some playing time to uh, Elias Sorokin, who was, you know, the Islanders prized goalie prospect that finally came over from the KHL, but that really hasn't been the case. And uh, Barlamovich has looked very, very comfortable uh, in net. And so he's been, I think my most pleasant surprise. Uh, I mentioned Maybe I guess uh, Tyler Toffoli too. Just watching him destroy the Canucks has been pretty funny. I wasn't really I like I always thought he's a really good player, but watching him score a million goals against the Canucks uh, after they just decided not to re-sign him for whatever stupid reason uh, has been a pretty pleasant surprise. That's been like one of my favorite storylines this year. For what? Uh, come on, it they they didn't re-sign him because they they needed to keep their all-star Jake Virtanen. Um yeah, I, it's just wild cuz he he just looks I mean, he's shooting at an insane clip right now. And so like, yeah, he probably won't have that high of a shooting percentage the rest of the way, but he's good. He's always been a like a very solid top 6 player and the fact that they just let him walk and he's only making 4. Point, I think 25 per mil per year, like that's that was just a great pickup for the uh, for Montreal, and the fact that he has scored like he just destroys the Canucks every time he's played them is just a very fun storyline. That's the petty that I'm here for. And yeah, for the record, uh, you say that it's not sustainable for Semyon Varlamov to keep up that nine three two. Um, but just for the record, he had a nine two seven 
in 63 games in 2013-14 and was number two in the Vezina race. Oh, okay. So he has played at this high level before. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And if, if the I Islanders can... In, I have faith in him. <laughs> yeah, and if the Islanders can play, like, that Barry Trot system where it's like you keep everyone to the outside and, you know, your defensemen get in front of shots and, you know, uh, goalies are what they're supposed to do and they're positioned well... Yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe he could be a Vesna guy, uh, Vesna candidate again. But uh, those are my two biggest surprises. Uh, Corey, what about you? Um, I feel like I'm going to be end up taking Richie's in this, but because we we haven't stopped like talking about him on the pod. But honestly, it's for me, it's uh, Connor Garland because of the fact that um, he was kind of the savior of this team that I, I don't think any of us thought we needed or knew we were going to get but he it was the only person that has been like outside of you know obviously Dvorak has had a a stellar season so far but um the the ability to make plays the ability to score and constantly be getting points each game as, as well as literally attempting to drop the gloves I feel like almost every game at this point um he has brought the kind of spunk that the Coyotes have needed and that he would probably go down as mine because of the fact that uh, I did not expect him to come out this season this strong and um, to kind of be holding that team up when literally no one else will. That's a... I love that you bring up that he's been trying to fight because... there's actually a picture that was taken by one of the two uh, Tucson Roadrunners photographers during one of the series between the Tucson Roadrunners and the Rockford Ice Hogs, which is the Chicago Blackhawks AHL affiliate. Um, and the Ice Hogs had like one of the friendliest goalies in the world, Colin Delia, um, I, our boy Mikey's uh, Merrimack King. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> um, and. Delia was starting the game and playing pretty well. And the the Roadrunners play in an arena that doesn't really it's it's not necessarily designed for hockey. Um it's certainly not a nice rink year round. Um and the net moorings aren't super stellar. Like they can't anchor them in deep enough to have the net stay on its moorings super well. And so uh Delia plays with his skates in. Uh, he plays skates to post whenever he hits reverse BH. Um, and so that basically means that he slides his skate into the post and doesn't like try and kick it away, but he, he tries to anchor his foot on it. And it just kept knocking the net off its mooring, which it doesn't happen in most drinks, but ones that are poorly anchored, it does. And he knocked it off like three or four times during the game. And eventually the refs gave him a penalty for it, which was crazy. Um, And he was getting a little mad about it. And Connor Garland decided that him getting mad about it wasn't okay. And so he got like right in his face. And Delia's got to be like 6'1", 6'2". Connor Garland's like optimistically 5'9", or 5'10". And he's standing like right up against Delia's face, just like staring him down. And the photographer managed to capture it. And I sent the picture to Delia's dad, who hadn't managed to make it out. He's from Rancho Cucamonga, California. So 
His dad had hoped to make it out to some of his games, hadn't made it out to that particular series. So I sent him the picture and said, I thought you'd find this funny. He sent it to Colin and it's now posted on his Instagram of this like very angry Connor Garland, like getting right up in his face. So that's that's all I can picture whenever I see Connor Garland, like trying to chirp with someone on the ice. And I, I agree with you. I love it. I think he's been a he's been scrappy. Um, I mean, he got Gibson to literally, like, jump out of his crease and just jump on top of him. That was amazing. That is... Wait, Kat, you posted that, right? I did. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is... I relate to that on so many levels, because I have had goalies, like, chase me in men's hockey, like, in my adult leagues, and it's just, like, he's my favorite player now. That's amazing. I, I actually got a picture from you of the black eye you got from a goalie. Yeah, he ripped off my helmet and just went at my face with his blocker, which, all fairness to him, smart move. But, um, yeah, I, that killed me when he, he, like, he got under John Gibson's skin and, like, he just, yes, he he just jumped. I wish I knew what he said. Um, I've heard some some other things that have been said by former Roadrunners players that are, are not safe for podcasts, um, NSFP, um, but... I'm assuming it was good. Um, but Corey, if you stole uh, Connor Garland, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for the Coyotes, Richie, it can be for whomever, but who's a player that has pleasantly surprised you this year? It was not going to be Connor Garland, Corey. Ooh. So, Is huh. it going to be your king, your German king? How did you know? Scoring three goals. Uh, How did you know? Because I, Oh, I, God, I forgot I, you gave like, Richie a platform. Cat, yeah. what are you doing? He's one of my two picks, but yeah, I have to call. I have to shout out Toby Rainer this year. Yeah, he is. He's on the shelf with COVID right now, as far as I know. But yeah, he had three goals in ten games with the Buffalo Sabers before the Buffalo Sabers um, meltdown. Meltdown with COVID. Uh, so yeah, he was on pace to have his best career goal scoring season ever. Who? And- Tobias oh, excuse Reader. me, Mikey. Tobias Reader, of course. Uh, his his career high is 16 with the Coyotes back in 2016-17, if you could believe that, which is wild to me. He is from Lunsche, Germany. It's a little town outside of Munich. Um, his dad was a hockey goalie growing up. Um, but oh, also- I remember. Okay, I remember this. He was pretty... Okay, I remember this guy. Very yeah. speedy guy. Not not the most accurate hands in the world. And he's smiley. He's just very happy. So he was, he was my, my other... My, my jokey choice, my happy choice, but my, my actual choice is somebody who's been super hot lately um, that is really, really on the radar, and I, I, he kind of just came out of nowhere. I didn't even know he was in the NHL this year, <laughs> but he's former NH, former Coyote draft pick and prospect Pierre-Olivier oh. Joseph. Best who, fashion game in the league. Who was dealt in the Phil Kessel trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I felt like he was one of the prospects with the Coyotes that we talked about at the time were just like, I don't know if you really have much of a future with the Coyotes in terms of their defensive prospects that they had kind of ahead of them. So right now he's got five points in seven games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Scored his first career goal yeah. against the New York Islanders. Mike, I was watching that. He it was. A, I mean, I was happy for him, and I'm glad that I don't, for whatever reason every guy that scores their first NHL goal uh, is it's always against the Islanders. So I was not shocked when he did that. But he it was a snipe, and he he looks very solid. He he looks comfortable. Uh, playing on that um i think he was on that the top pair for pittsburgh and i mean they desperately uh need someone like him um not to get totally off topic or anything here guys did you see that brian burke is gonna be the president of the penguins now 
I think that's wild. I think it's wilder that um, my my violent king Ron Hextall is going to be their GM. Oh my! Well, he. I think people because he, he used to he was running the Flyers, right? Or used to run the Flyers? GM of the Flyers. He was assistant GM for the Kings. But like, yeah, who people the GM of the Flyers to being the GM of the Penguins. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think people so are. Uh, people, he. I think he's done it. He was he currently the GM of the Flyers. No, no, he got fired. He got fired. Okay, but I, I think people are like, oh, that's a pretty good, you know, uh, hire for GM. But then it's like, then Brian Burke's running the show. It's like, it's like, oh my god, and like, yeah, no, you're rolling back into the arena. <laughs> yeah, and like, I think Brian Burke does some like, I don't really like his takes that much, but I. I appreciate him for all he does for um you know you can play and for um you know the lgbtq community and all that but like why are we rolling brian burke back into the arena to run an nhl team like just leave him on wherever he was on sportsnet like i can't if i was a penguins fan i'd be a little nervous they should be nervous they went from i know somebody tweeted something about how much fun it is when Jim Rutherford picks up the phone. Cause like, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, might give you Phil Kessel for like a seventh round draft pick might give you a first round pick for, for the crappiest player in the league might make a legitimately good steal trade for himself. Like who knows? Um, he just, he's, he's a mixed bag. Sometimes he'll throw everything in the kitchen sink at a player that he doesn't really need. Uh, he'll bring on a guy like a, like a Jack Johnson. And then other times he'll bring in like a legitimately quality player and make like a actual good move. Um, and now he's gone and nobody's really sure why. Um, sincerely hope it's not something, uh, too sobering, um, when we eventually find out what it is. But, but yeah, I, I think that's, uh, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall's like, if I had to make my pick for the most chaotic hire, yeah, sure. Like not the messiest, because that would be like Peter Chiarelli, but the most chaotic hire. It's those two, and that's it's not a great choice, but it's a funny choice. And like, we need more funny in the NHL. Um, but yeah, I I like that pick, Richie. I uh, I know I've seen um, Black Girl Hockey Club, um, Fatu Ba, um, who does their their social. Um, she was talking on Twitter about just how well Pierre Olivier Joseph dresses. Um, it's a handsome he cat. Is, he is. He is. He's got impeccable style, especially when you look at some of the other guys around the league who very clearly have no idea what's going on with their clothes. Um, but yeah, I I'm happy for him. Right, like Phil Kessel's doing all right this year. He could be doing better, but he's getting older. Um, and so I'm. I'm not too bitter about Pierre Joseph doing well. I'm pretty happy for him. Um, but yeah, I thank you for not stealing my pick, Richie, or inadvertently doing so, Corey, because um, I I want to shout out Christian Dvorak um, because a few years ago, Corey Pronman very smugly said that the Coyotes did not have a super great prospect pool because it was back when they saw Dylan Strom and he said, Dylan Strom is a, is a future first line NHL center. But after that, they, they have a bunch of question marks. And I was like, you have that backwards. Uh, Dylan Strom is a question mark. Um, 
And I think Christian Dvorak's a super underrated piece in their prospect system. And he like very confidently told me that he did not see Christian Dvorak as a future NHL talent. He said he might become an NHL player, but it seems like he's going to be a depth guy. Uh, He's probably going to be a third or fourth line defensive center. Just doesn't look like he's going to be a guy who's productive scoring wise. And he said, you know, he'll probably be defensively responsible, but uh, kind of who was, uh, Corey and Richie, who was that? Who am I thinking of? The Coyotes had the really old guy who was really good at face-offs on their fourth line that Dave Tippett just, like, kept insisting on bringing back. Uh, Boyd Gordon? Boyd Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how. <laughs> God bless Boyd Gordon. He seemed like a really sweet guy. Uh, but that's kind of how Corey Pronman made it sound like he projected Christian Dvorak to be. And now I know Richie said that he saw a tweet about him. Was it yesterday or today where he was talking about how well somebody in the Coyotes prospect pool was doing? I think it was Connor Garland. It was uh, Jacob Chickren. Jacob Chickren talking about how well Jacob Chickren was doing and like very pointedly did not mention Christian Dvorak, who not to brag on my emotionless prince, but uh, when you look at the NHL.com stats leaderboard, um, currently, obviously, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are sitting right as numbers one and two in in points. Um, although Connor McDavid, shout out to being 27 points in 15 games and still being a minus one. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's when you have um, Miko Koskinen and... Uh... Leon Dreisaitl's a plus 11. <laughs> wow, good for Leon. You know, he got so much shit for uh, how he played. I mean, I don't know if we know plus minus can be used in it different ways. It can be deceiving, but, like, I don't understand how you can be a minus one when you have 27 points. Yeah, and then Leon, but people gave Leon Dreisaitl such shit for his play in the defensive end, so maybe he's uh, gotten better at it. Yeah, um, but Christian Dvorak is currently sitting in a... He's sitting in 22nd overall in scoring. Um, he's just a couple couple spots behind Nathan McKinnon. He's only one point behind him in one additional game. Um, sorry, that's in two additional games. He's played 12. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's played 10. But he's one point behind Mark Scheifele, one point behind Braden Point. They've both played 11 games. Um, he's a point behind Steven Stamkos. He's only two points behind Patrice Bergeron. Uh, so he's he's on up there that that scoring race. Once you drop below Marner, Dreisaitl, and McDavid, it's actually pretty close, right? Right in until you hit, you know, I'd say probably about where Matt Barzell is. Um, I'd say those top thirty to forty guys are all within just a couple points of each other. Um, and then you look at the goal scoring race, and Austin Matthews is the leader with eleven, and you have a couple guys with nine, like your your guy Tyler Toffoli. Um, Connor McDavid has nine. Couple eights, Leon Dreisaitl and Josh Anderson. Um, and then tied for seventh, Christian Dvorak has seven goals. Um, he is on pace in a regular season, I think, when I metered it out to score something like 48 goals. Um, obviously, that's something that he'd probably end up tapering off on just a little bit there. Um, he's at a 25.9 shooting percentage right now, but... He's taken 27 shots in a, in 12 games so far. So he's he's actually putting the puck on net. He's playing a pretty decent amount. A couple of the guys who are above him are playing a little bit more sheltered minutes-wise. 
And he has a 50.9 face-off win percentage, which, my God, the Coyotes love to bring in guys who are promising young centers who cannot take a face-off to save their lives. Um, we look at guys like Nick Schmaltz, who feasibly is an, is an NHL center, I guess. He's currently riding a 46.7 face-off win percentage, which I think is his highest ever by, like, 20 percentage points or something. Um their, their centers suck. They can't win a face-off to save their lives. Brad Richardson was, like, the only one who could do it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I expected Christian Dvorak to be good. I did not expect him to be this good. I, I expected him to be in that 20 to 25 goal range each year. Um, and right now he's kind of playing like a guy who you'd see scoring 30 to 40 goals. And it doesn't look like he's doing it by luck. Like, you look at the way he set up the, the game-tying goal for Clayton Keller – He's in the right place. He's playing smartly. He's making accurate passes. He's playing responsibly in his own zone. Like, mwah, chef kiss. Um, mostly because it, it makes Corey Pronman look a little stupid. And sometimes he gets a little too big for his britches. So I Whoa. like yeah. proving him wrong. Um, I love it. Love to see it. Okay, so right now we're going to take a quick break, and then Kat and I will be back with Corey and Richie for the second half of our episode. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, so now, now that we've gotten our, our pleasantries out of the way, let's, uh, let's take a quick peek, um, and I'll let somebody else decide who wants to talk first. Let's talk about... Johnny Torts, John Tortorella, and the Finnish Flash uh, 2.0, Patrick Laine. Uh, uh, did you see that tweet today that's saying, saying that uh, Torts might be doing this because he wants out? Yes. Uh, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic uh, Columbus said that it seems like Torts is trying to... Uh, Trying to get himself fired before, because he, he kind of doesn't want to coach anymore, which would be the most torts thing ever. Um, you know, to just decide I'm I'm done, let me out, uh, and if you don't, I'm gonna bench my star players until they all want to leave. Yeah, Corey and Richie, you can go because I'm so tired of Tortorella. <laughs> like <laughs> Corey's a big Tortorella fan. I want to hear what she. Has. I was gonna say I don't think anyone. Wants to hear what I have to say about Tortorella. I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone wants to hear what I have to say. Do you? But was was Richie being sarcastic, or do you like him? Oh, I love him. I do too. Okay. Um, He's. I've always loved him. I'm tired. Like he he's a good coach. I I I completely agree with that. Like whatever it is, he manages to drag teams to the playoffs despite you know superstars leaving and all that. But it's just like. Oh man, he just he loves to park uh, guys on the bench when uh, I don't even I don't even know if uh, Patrick Line did anything as like egregious as uh, what's what was the guy they trish traded? It wasn't to. as egregious as Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah. he he did have a sloppy couple of shifts um, in the defensive zone um, in the sense that he did not play in the defensive zone at all. That's, um, that's been that guy's game forever. Yeah, uh, and that's that's part of it is I think Tortorella and I know Corey and I have both talked about this over the years, I think. Um, 
he's a really nice guy one-on-one. Um, but I think he, he has a certain coaching style that, for example, I think would work with me. I think it would work with a lot of guys. Um, sure. It would work with a lot of athletes where you listen and if you come to him with a valid complaint, he's going to listen to it. And if you give him the effort he's looking for, even if the result isn't perfect, he's going like he's going to be fine with it. Even if he because I, I think he does have a flair for the theatric. Um, and I think half the time when he throws his tantrums, it is of a theatrical nature and I don't think he's legitimately doing it like Mike Babcock style um but his his coaching style doesn't work for everyone and I think benching certain guys if they're just completely phoning it in is okay I think there are some guys that that's that's the wake-up call that they need that's the wake-up call that they deserve um and that's the wake-up call that they would listen to like if I'm not giving the right amount of effort being told fine you're not you're not giving the effort you can sit this one out uh, that wouldn't bother me. That wouldn't rattle me. But I think it does rattle some people. And I don't necessarily think he, I don't think he fully reads the room there. Like, I don't think it works with a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think was legitimately rattled by, by John Tortorella to the point where Torts didn't really, didn't really pick up on that as well as he probably could have. Um, I don't think it'll rattle Patrick Laine, who over in Finland at one point said that his coaches didn't know anything when he was playing for the junior team and they didn't play him enough. Um, like, I don't think any of it phases him. I don't think he cares. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't bench my new star player um, in the first game and then go in front of the crowds. And like, I think it was Greg Wyshynski tweeted, John Tortorella gave a quote that said, the last thing I want to do is bench one of my players. And I would argue that's the first thing he wants to do. Like, why are you lying? <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, yeah. I... Corey, Corey, how do you feel about it? Like, would you, do you think he, do you think he was right here, first off? Okay, well, so, I mean, it, it's a little bit cheap here, a little bit, due to the fact that, like, you guys, you know, um, Mikey has had to hear about me a lot um, and has had to hear about me like be- every single time we've gotten drunk. So I feel like Mikey knows more about me than he probably should. <laughs> and then you guys obviously know me really well. And one of my biggest things is respect. Like, I don't a lot of times I don't really fucking care as long as long as like I show you respect, you show me respect. And that is a big thing with Tortorella. Like when I really um fell in love with him as a coach was um watching one of the road to the winter classics um i can't remember what year it was um but uh in that regard of the fact that he was very big on respect in the locker room amongst his players respect between him and his players and he's just a really passionate dude so yeah it's very entertaining in that regard like he has um a sense to him uh a um Connor McGregor kind of like theatrics like he gets very like passionate and into it and he will blow up and I think a lot of people look at that and think that he's kind of an asshole but he also has a little bit of that old school to him where he honestly is just very like you go out there and you play and you play hard and you give it all that you have and um whether you produce or not you need to be giving a full 100 percent all the time and he will not, 
he will not allow his players to be soft. That is not one of his things that he has ever done and will ever do. And so um, when you yes. come in and you, when you come in and you disrespect him in like the, the first place, with like the it was very well known that like Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't want to be on that team he wanted to be out so he um I that was bound to happen like if if he's disrespecting him in that way and the team and the whole organization that way of saying that he doesn't want to be there because it it, the reason why he didn't want to be there is he didn't like it um Tort's coaching style and I'm sure to Torts, it was kind of like, why the fuck are you putting this out like that? Why didn't you come to me and we could fix this shit? And then also was kind of him calling him out for being kind of soft in the fact that he couldn't handle his coaching style. Like, how many guys over the years have been able to handle his coaching style and you're going to sit here and bitch just because you have a talent? I think is the way that he was kind of attacking a lot of this. And yes, a lot of it is very old school. And so some of these like newer guys coming in, I think they kind of hold this line of like you know they they have a different way that they like to be coached and that they like to be talked to and 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 I don't blame them from that regard I think uh from the the regard of the fact that Torts does what he does not in a way that's supposed to be like belittling or like tearing people down it's more in a way of um that's how he shows his love type of a thing and it's not to tear a player apart it's to show them this is what you're here for you have to like respect the game and actually give your all every single time or you don't deserve to be on that ice and i think that's that's a fair argument although i do think that if he wants like assuming he does want to continue coaching and that aaron portsline isn't correct uh, which there's a chance he is. I mean, Torts has been around for a while. There's a chance he's decided that he's he's just kind of fatigued by it all, especially this year. I wouldn't blame anyone for that. But if he wants to continue coaching, I think you you have to adapt, you know? And it's not not even just a player being too soft to handle his coaching style. People learn differently. Like, some people are visual learners. Some people are auditory learners. Some people do well when they're publicly called out because they need that that accountability. Like, if I get publicly called out on something, I'm more likely to address it, and it doesn't bother me. Um, but I know other people who being publicly called out gives them a lot of anxiety, and that's not them being softer. That's just, that's, that's how they how they internalize things. You know, there are some people that you just, you have to approach them differently, and over the years, Torts has lost some really good players because he just couldn't figure out how to adapt to them. Um, and you could argue that the net gain, you know, he still had his teams go very far. Um, the net gain is still, you know, he he got his job done. He, he achieved his goal. Um, but I do think that if he wants to stay in the league, he does need to adapt a little bit. And he does need to look at a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois and say, okay, you you don't like my coaching style where I publicly call people out. Um, let's let's privately talk about it because we certainly didn't get a lot of that from Torts. You know, he he started calling out Dubois for it publicly during pressers and during interviews pretty early on. Um, so I think that that is a two way street there um, where Dubois did make it clear that he wanted out instead of bringing it to Torts. And I think Torts kind of did the same thing to him. Um, 
And I don't know. I think it's it's funny. Um, I don't think it's funny for Pierre Luc Dubois, who I think is probably the and the the person I feel the most sorry for in the whole situation. I don't think anything bothers towards. I don't think anything bothers Patrick Laine. We've all seen his uh his draft day video where he's laying like upside down on his bedroom floor <laughs> doing a FaceTime with his headphones in. Like <laughs> he he was he couldn't have cared less. Um he seems like a guy he like he could shake it off. Yeah, he can shake it off. Torts can shake it off. I don't think Pierre Luc Dubois is someone who necessarily and I don't think he needs to shake it off. Like I think him knowing himself well enough to know that he prefers to handle things more quietly. That's there's, there's something to, to admire there for knowing what works for him and how he's going to thrive best. Um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, I think the situation is said and it's done it's time to move on. But I do think it's hilarious that Torts tried to say that the last thing he wants to do is bench a player like no it's not don't lie that's not the last thing you want to do well into and 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 I will say like I as much as like I I like torts as as a coach like I would I would hate him as my coach like I would absolutely it's not my style of way of doing things um in that way like I if I was the player I would absolutely hate it I think there's not really a winner in this situation I feel like there's kind of just two losers the only winner basically is us that all gets to watch it basically i think and, the winner and, is zach roslovic who has been quietly producing for columbus since he got on the ice uh, and really hasn't been involved in any of the drama so far he was like the tack on player and he's crushing it <laughs> he's but it's the- basic it's basically like a, a relationship where th- there's two great people but they don't do well together you know it's it's that same situation they're they're great in their own aspects, but they just don't do well together. And that's fair. And speaking of great people, let's do a five-minute moratorium, a five-minute rest in rest in peace, Apple. Um, and Richie's going to make sure we don't get too off track here. Um, can we spend a real hot minute talking about how nice it is to couldn't ha- couldn't have happened to a better person? Tony D'Angelo, I believe, is done playing in the NHL. Um, I think he officially cooked his own career. And it, it truly it couldn't have happened to a better person. Do you think that's true? You think, uh, I, I remember, I think it was maybe last week after everything happened with him. There, I forgot who tweeted it. One of the NHL insider dudes was like, there are several teams calling in on Tony D'Angelo. You don't, you don't think anyone's going to take a flyer on him, Kat? No, uh, because they they released the names of the teams who were. And a guy who produced 50-plus points last year. Fourth in the NHL and scoring for defensemen. Yeah, Yeah. and and he's only, what, 25 maybe? Something in that general range. He's he's young, so it's not like he's physically finished playing. Um, A guy who's that good. You would assume, even if it was, like, you look at a guy like like Phil Kessel, kind of a difficult dude, and not the easiest player to get along with for most coaches. Um, when he wanted out of Pittsburgh, I think every team at least inquired about what it would take to get him. Um, other difficult players who, you know, seems like attitude-wise, maybe 
maybe weren't the best, uh, you still see teams at the very least putting out feelers on them to see, oh, you know, the, the attitude's not right, but what would it take for us to get him? Even if we're just taking him on as a, like a reclamation project, see if we can improve something. Um, There's a difference between being like having a bad attitude though, and being a complete cancer in the locker room. Exactly. And the only teams who did call on him, and my guess is they were calling to say, Hey, you willing to give him to us for free? uh, So we can maybe salvage our season were the Calgary Flames, the team known for having uh, Peters as their head coach, Bill Peters, after he dropped some some racial slurs in the locker room, and it was a pretty it was a pretty poorly kept secret that he was a pretty toxic coach in a uh, in Carolina, and then they still hired him anyway. Um, so they they called about him. Uh, the LA Kings called about him. The Anaheim Ducks called about him, and then. There was one other team who's also doing incredibly poorly. So it might have been like the Detroit Red Wings or something. So I think it was four teams in total out of 30, 30 additional teams. I Maybe 31 uh, because Seattle feasibly could call about him to see if that's a player that could be exposed. Um, but yeah, four out of the 30 teams called about him um, and nothing came of it. So my guess is he's he's done because uh you know the the management team in new york explicitly said like they've kept a lot of it under wraps you know they've said oh you know we're not going to go into details we're not going to confirm too much um but they said we told tony we pulled him aside and said if he, if there's one more incident they'd already pulled him aside talked to him about social media they'd pulled him aside talked to him about his tone pulled him aside talked to him about not being a distraction about his just overall lack of understanding of how to be a mature adult. And after the incident where he got a, I believe it was a unsportsmanlike conduct for, yep. for complaining. Um, Against the Islanders. Yeah. He, first, uh, game, first game of the year after Matt Barzell, like absolutely just took him to town in the defensive right. zone. Yeah. And he, he was a big old baby about it. And yep. The team, you know, the GM pulled him aside and said, one more incident, and that'll be the last game he plays as a New York Ranger. And sure enough, he he got into a fight with their goalie. Uh, he got into a fight with Alexander Gorgiev, who literally had just finished auctioning off his MLK mask that he made, not for MLK weekend, but during the playoffs, because of all the Black Lives Matter protests, he basically had his mask artist commission a mask paying tribute to Black Lives Matter and civil rights. And then he said that the mask was so popular, he wore it again for ML. I believe he wore it again for MLK weekend and then auctioned it off and split the proceeds from the price of the auction to three New York City based uh, charities for basically inner city kids um, for foster care, for education and for one that's uh uh, basically an organization that provides funding for women to start their own child care businesses, affordable child care businesses in, I think it's Harlem. Um, and so he split it, split the money among three very good civil rights based charities. And that's the teammate you choose to piss off so much that another teammate punches you in the face. I thought it was uh, Gregorgiev that punched him in the face. Uh, so once again, a lot of the details 
are murky. It hasn't been confirmed uh, by the team, but some people thought it was, uh, that it was Georgie who punched him. There's other speculation that it was Kreider who finally had enough, stepped in and punched him. Um, but basically, the, the GM came out and said, we told him, you will not play another game in the NHL as a New York Ranger. Like, you're done. You've played your last game for us. And so he's he's done with the Rangers. Um, I don't necessarily think he's done playing professional hockey. I think he's probably going to ask to uh, to terminate his contract, go play overseas, probably the KHL or something. But I think he's – I don't think a team's going to take a flyer on him this year. And he's still signed to be on this year, right? Yeah, he's. I think he is. This was the start of a two-year contract uh, with the Rangers. Um, yeah, just basically good riddance. Uh, this is someone who's gotten like it. Just seems like he's gotten umpteenth multiple uh, chances. Like since he was a junior, he's been suspended. What was it twice for using racial slurs or bullying a teammate or something like that? Um, slurs that broke the league's diversity inclusion and harassment policy so we don't know if they were racial or homophobic okay so he was a fucking asshole like basically (laughs) and i'm sure there are things that he has said that have gone unreported uh like and yeah so he's been his own teammate like that's yeah that should have been the final straw so he's been he still got drafted or whatever uh he's been an asshole on social media and you know he's he's bullied people and uh, on social media and all that stuff. And he's just been a constant pain in the ass. He's been, I know he's been a PR nightmare for the Rangers. Been uh, suspended twice during his career for abusive officials. Yeah. So all these different things, um, he, and this is where I, I like, he, I, I don't think he should have been in the league to begin with. Um, it seemed like he never showed any remorse for, any of the things he's done, but uh, right after the election, he tweeted um, how it's crazy how COVID is just going away after uh, after the, the election. He tweeted that on November 6th. I, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing the tweet, but he was insinuating how, you know, it's not real, which when you're playing for a team that's in New York City, where um, that is just so offensive, like just being here, we heard it, it was ambulances like every five minutes for a good two months. And is that is just so fucking disrespectful. And, you know, the Rangers are doing things where they're honoring, uh, you know, doctors and healthcare workers and frontline workers and all that. And for him to, to like, they should, right after he tweeted that, they should have been like, you're done. You're not even going to suit up for a game with us. So he only got to do a couple games anyway. So whatever. And he, he is very good in the offensive zone. Just talking about a skill right now, but, he is so bad defensively. Like he does not know how to deflect a shot. He does not know how to block a shot, which is uh, just astonishing to be an NHL defenseman. You don't know how to properly just like stick your stick out and have a shot just you know deflected out of play. So whatever, good riddance. I'm I'm so glad we don't have to hear from him anymore. And his stupid shitty podcast too. I'm a little I'm a little sad that we won't get to watch montages of him. Uh, getting clowned by the other team yeah that that'll be sad like brian i was i was watching one game where brian russ just took him to town and like brian russ is a good player but like he he made brian russ look like Sidney crosby like he allowed brian russ to come all the way down and like do spinorama backhand on it's like dude you're so bad uh, <laughs> and it, it it's like 
I don't think people would clown on him as much if he wasn't such a POS. And so when that happens, it's just I more would, noticeable. If I worked PR for that team, I would have wake up every morning going, please, God, please let him not do something stupid today. That GTA uh, meme. Oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, speaking of good riddance, uh, let's oh, check. no. <laughs> that was a good one. I'm, I'm here all day, guys. Um, <laughs> Green Day. Uh, we've, we've added this new segment where each week we talk about an album or a band that has a, a place in, his, in punk pop history, um, pop. either with that week or 20-year anniversaries of of iconic albums, stuff like that. Um, and we did miss it because last week I had my, I had the laryngitis situation and then to bank off of that. So I missed, uh, I missed three days of work for that. And then I worked uh, 43 hours last week. So we didn't record. <laughs> um, and so we missed the week uh, that was the, what was it, Mikey? Was it the 20 year anniversary or the 25 no, year no, anniversary? No, of 27th year anniversary. 27, kill me, um, of, yeah. of Dookie coming out. Dookie. So, Mikey, this is, this is all you. Uh, yeah, well, I want to say, just starting off, uh, since Australian Open is, opening has happened, did Serena Williams play today? She did. She won. Okay. She so, this, this is for Serena, who me and her share the favorite, uh, same favorite all-time band. She's a huge Green Day fan, and one of her favorite records is Dookie. And uh, so, yeah. So can I fact check this? You keep talking, Mikey. I need a moment to fact check this. Type in Serena Williams. She t- on February second, two thousand nineteen. She said, "25 years ago, my life changed for the better thanks at Green Day." And it's uh, it's the picture of the album Dookie. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's arguably uh, probably the best pop punk album of all time, I would go ahead and say. Uh, was that? I just I just found her tweet. <laughs> Side note, can we do a welfare check on Richie? I haven't heard him for a while. Is he yeah. passed out over there? He's just staring at my phone with me. Um, let me pull that back out. That's, wow. Um, yeah, the reason why I haven't been talking is because I was sweating a bet uh, in the Vegas and Atlanta <laughs> game. So that's why. I was... Uh, uh, I was a little worried there, but we I won the bet. We're good to go. Uh, Vegas had a 4-1 lead in the game against Anaheim. Blew it. Gave up three straight goals and scored with under four minutes to go to, go to win the game in overtime and uh, cash cash me some money on a four-team parlay. So, oh, my God. Yeah. Good for you, man. I lost my – I live bet the Jets-Flames game, and I picked the Jets, and that was a poor decision. Oops. Yeah, that's a whoopsie-daisy on my part. Uh <laughs> that happens uh yeah so what were we talking about dookie wait Uh, so wait was it confirmed that she that that really is her favorite album i i literally just uh i just shared it from the the three cheers for goaltender interference twitter account uh you can follow at three cheers for goal one it's number three number one um damn cat on a roll yeah i am uh by the way, uh, Richie just shared with me, not to break into our Green Day talk, but tweet from Jesse Granger of The Athletic. Uh, due to COVID-19 protocols, the Golden Knights post-game media availability has been canceled. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, 
the the reactions to that tweet are all time. Like they're all world. Um, but god damn it. Um, uh, moving on. Let's let's go back to Green Day because that's gonna stress me out. Which Richie, uh, where are you on this? Isn't this like your one? Wasn't this one of your favorite concerts of all time or some shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to see Green Day. What I guess it was three years ago now, when they uh, on their Revolution Radio tour. Oh yeah. Yeah, I went with uh, my my two sisters and I loved it. It was one of, it was one one of my favorite concerts I've been to of all time. They played for like two hours. They pretty much played the entirety of American Idiot, and uh, and then of course they played most of Revolution Radio, which are probably my two favorite Green Day albums. Um, so among pop punk and punk fans, Green Day is probably my favorite amongst the bunch. And uh, I think it's your only. Yeah, my only. Like. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go out on that limb and say that. But yeah, they they were incredible live, and I, 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 I and it's making me sad that we can't go to concerts anymore um, because I, I miss going, and I, and I would love to go see Green Day again. They were so good. Let me, by the way, let me reveal when when I teased Richie here and said uh, that Green Day's the only pop punk band that he likes. Um, Richie doesn't like emo. Richie doesn't like punk. Uh, I played brand new for him. He thought they were terrible. I, <laughs> Going like, to a Fall Out Boy concert with him was probably one of the most embarrassing moments I've ever had in my life. Corey and I sang the entire time. Richie didn't sing at all. <laughs> I, he didn't have a bad time. He, he seemed to somewhat enjoy himself, but definitely he had more fun watching Young the Giant. And was it Ingrid Michaelson or Regina Spector earlier? Uh, that was a different show we went to. Oh, is that a different one? Yeah, I thought they were the same one. So the one the, I'm old yeah, guys. The I have Fallout, Alzheimer's. The boy was um, um was I think it was Pot of Gold Music Festival. It was. Um, yes, it was. There were other bands that played there. Uh, Echo Smith was one of them. Uh, and then there were. Is that the one bands. that had uh, the Shut Up and Dance with Me? Was it Walk the Moon? No, Walk the Moon was not on that. Not Bill. Um. He, he had fun with other bands, though, and, uh, yeah, um, but he didn't like Fall Out Boy too much. Um, he didn't like My Chemical Romance. I played, uh, <sighs> yeah, I played, um, he doesn't like All Time Low. Uh, he gets a little annoyed when Corey and I play them all the time. Um, which, like is, which was one of the most travesties of, of COVID because Kat and I were going to go watch All Time Low before all this happened. Yes, we were really excited that All Time Low was touring. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I played um, I played the Black Parade for him and thought that he at the very least like, because he likes some more like off-the-beat sounding songs and so I played ones like, like... two songs on there that I like. I played Mama for him. Didn't like it. Uh, didn't even like Liza Minnelli popping in out of nowhere. Um, didn't really. I like feel like I've gotten him to like some Blink One Eighty Two songs because I've probably jammed it down his throat. And same thing with Machine Gun Kelly's new album. I think there's uh, maybe a couple because I've also again shoved it down his throat. This um, is true. Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah. He's getting there, and he likes some pop punk ish music that was played on the one tree hill soundtrack oh um, they have a very underrated soundtrack it's incredible um sure. although he didn't cry during this the series finale when they played blind pilot um which i did so uh he's clearly not as into 
East Coast indie music as as I am. But, but yeah, so he likes he likes Green Day though, which is which is good for us here. Um, we did ask you guys to um, give us your favorite song um, off of Dookie or your favorite uh, Green Day song, right? That was the question. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, we had a couple jokers, which I don't appreciate. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I said my favorite Green Day song is in Into the Ocean by Blue October. Not very. <laughs> that's calling the cops. Um, <laughs> I've seen what, them live acoustic unplugged at a Barnes and Noble of all places. Um, Green Day? No, Blue October. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? <laughs> Blue October too, actually. Very good show. Very underrated. Actually, They're from Houston. Yeah, the funny thing is, I saw it wasn't the full band. It was just a lead singer, but he just played- Justin Frisenfeld. Yeah, and he he played the um he just he played mostly uh songs from the band, but he played some of the solo stuff too. Uh fun fact, my mom is in love with him. Uh so hey mom, you're getting your you're yeah. getting your podcast shout out. Um no, my my actual favorite Green Day song, um I feel like it it's a cliche and I feel like I'm probably gonna get made fun of for it, but I like twenty one guns. I don't oh, care. okay. It's a good song. I don't care what anybody says. That's that's probably oh my, my favorite. Or holiday, so, uh, good too. What, but what, what's so funny, Kat, is I had to like I had to look up what was on Doogie because I had no idea, and then um, I started just looking up Green Day songs, and like I was like looking through all of them, and some of them I forgot, like in the fact that like um, I think it was Good Riddance actually. Weird little fact about me. Um, my first kiss was after um, uh, this one kid I knew was in a band who sang that song, and it was after that. That's the only thing I remember with that song. If it but makes Twenty One Guns was actually going to be my 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 choice as well. So I think that's kind of funny. If it makes you feel better, um, I think a lot of people's first kiss was probably to Good Riddance because it was a slow song at everybody's middle school dances. And Do you know, it's so funny though. He was he was a lead singer in, in the band that sang it though. It makes it even cornier. That song is like it's like a fuck you song. It's it's a suicide song. Yeah, well, it's like I think it's it's something like that. It's like they're not good. It's a suicide song. It's a suicide note. <laughs> this is gun dark. It? It's a suicide note. <laughs> like he's he's Billy Billy Joe Armstrong like came out and said it. <laughs> it's yeah, a it's, and he also yeah uh, that actually that song was written during. Uh, when he's writing Dookie. It's a fun fact for no one. I'm, <laughs> you should <laughs> no, hey, we, we've come back full circle. Um, okay, so wait, Kat, what'd you say? Yours is 21 Guns? Correct. Corey's, Richie. what's Richie's? Okay, so I'll go, with, I'll go with two. I'll pick my favorite song off of Dookie, which is, uh, which is, which is uh, Longview. Okay. Go with Longview. Uh, and then my favorite, I'll go with like an underrated song, which I love, and it's really different, which is part of the reason why I like it. And it was really cool uh, live. Um, it's called, a song called Ordinary World from uh, Revolution Radio. It's like a slower song. Yeah, it's uh, a, yeah, that's like another ballad, acoustic ballad as well. Yeah, and I, I, so I'm going to go with those, those two, a really popular one, and then one that, that I like that is like off the beaten path. Nice. And Corey, is yours 21 Guns, or is it Good Riddance? 
Uh, it's 21 guns. That's why I thought it was funny because uh, that's what I was going to say. And then you said it and you were like, oh, well, everyone's going to hate on me for saying it. And then I thought it was funny because I was going to say the same thing. This is why we're best friends. Um, exactly. Wow. Um, so this is Dookie is probably my like uh, it's up there for favorite albums of all time. Uh, fuck, man. I don't know. It's tough. Probably when I come around uh, is my favorite. It's probably my favorite Green Day song and my favorite song off of Dookie. Uh, it's just very that whole album is kind of just like coming of age. Uh, Dookie, it's a lot of it's it actually still holds up. I mean, it still holds up really well. There's a lot of songs about like Basket Case is a song about mental health and going insane. And uh, a lot of it's about like there's songs about smoking weed and getting dumped and growing up poor which they did and uh being bored which is like i feel like a lot of us are feeling like that right now like our mental health is slipping and we're all extremely bored and maybe some people are partaking in marijuana so i still think it really holds up really well but when i come around is probably my all-time favorite green day song uh it's just it's a song i related to a lot when i first heard it when i was a kid and i still now that i'm 30 i still still means a lot to me also just runner up uh jesus of suburbia also rips uh so is that your favorite in that genre like of all like green day like my favorite pop punk band and album or yeah like out of all of them now i want to know what everyone's is like in this group of like that genre all together so it's not just not just one band but everyone it's probably like a tie between uh, Green Day and Against Me, and Against Me is more of, and it's funny, Richie Against Me actually opened for Green Day on that. It did. I was actually going to say that too. Yeah. I think I got we got to the concert kind of late, so I only saw like their last song before they left. But yes, you're right, they did yeah. open for them on that tour. That those are two of the like best live bands I've ever seen, and so it's probably Green Day and Against Me are like my favorite like punk bands and bands I like I grew up. With What's your stuff. favorite album? Like of all time in that genre, uh, probably Dookie. I, I think I have to go with Dookie or uh, Searching for a Former Clarity by Against Me. Or man, I'm just gonna start list. Uh, I also like like Blink One Eight Two, Self Titled, and Dude Ranch are also up there for me. And then My Chemical Romance is up. I don't know. There's too many. <laughs> Mikey's Cat. got like twenty. <laughs> Richie's got half of one. Yeah, um, I got one. I got American. Yeah. It, and that's it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. But I went to American all the way through again recently, and it's just like it's just still still beautiful. Yeah. Cat, what's yours? Uh, mine is still the Devil and God are raging inside me. Uh, oh shit, that's up there for me yeah. too, Cat. God damn it. Yeah. Um, but I'd I'd say the Black Parade's probably up there for me too for my Chemical Romance. Um, Richie and I were actually talking last night about uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Um, a lot of people make fun of them. A lot of people think they're, uh, they're kind of a sellout band. Uh, cause we were talking about Jared Leto being a like ginormous weirdo. Um, but I know not everybody liked their album. This is war, but kind of an underrated rock opera. It's a weird one, but it's, it's one of the few CDs that first off hard copy CDs that I owned, like that I didn't steal from LimeWire. Um, and two that I can listen to like from start to finish and every song is good. So that one I 
I'll, I'll toss that one in there too. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll toss that one in there too. Richie, you, you gave American idiot. Um, mm -hmm. Corey, have you given yours? No, I mean, I feel like mine's, I, I'm always very vocal about my favorite one. Cause it just, I, it will, it'll probably always rain down as the most supreme, um, over anything, honestly. And it's always going to be Enema of the State by Blink-182. Because um, that's just my favorite album ever. I, um, I'm i really enjoying um, this new Machine Gun Kelly album because it gives me the same kind of feels of back then. And there are certain things, like even his um, music video that he just put out with um, Halsey has hardcore, like, Evanescence vibes. And, like, there was a some really good days of like um you know back in like the evanescence uh blink 182 all time low where all those type of like like i just want to put on a bunch of black eyeliner <laughs> days like i miss them so much and and it's gonna make me sound so weird but like it was finally like something that brought me back to those days so um I, I think that one's going to hold a special place in my heart just because it's so far removed from all the other ones that it's going to hold a place in the fact that it, it finally brought me back to all those. But Enema of the State will always um, be my favorite of all time. Do you, do you, so you like Enema of the State more than uh, like their self-titled album? And uh... So here's my caveat, though. My favorite Blink-182 song of all time is Anthem Part 2. Oh, okay, that's off of um. That's off the untouched. That one's off of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Yes, that's after that came out after and I'm a, like right a couple years after. Yeah, I mean they had a really good run of it. They were they were. I mean, you look at Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two, and it's always you prefer. I mean, I love Blink too, and it's it's kind of like one or the other. And they they both had have had a stretch of albums where. They they all they both bands released really really strong albums, uh, and yeah I mean I, I, that was huge for them Animal of the State that had I uh, would have like all the small things right so it had uh, aliens exist which is funny because I that uh, that was one of the troll tweets that you got I know. on uh, very offensive aliens exist. Hey, Professor Pepsi we're yeah. talking about you. Um, it, I, I had to love that because Aliens Exist. I literally started singing it through my house after I saw that tweet. Like, that's how, like, quickly it hit me. I, I love that album way too much. And he literally wrote that song simply because he genuinely does believe in aliens. He's kind of a weirdo. And mm -hmm. just genuinely, like, wanted to write a song about aliens. And that was literally why he wrote that freaking song. So is, would you say Blink is your favorite, like, of that genre, of, like, pop punk slash punk yes i would say my close second would be all time low i was i was gonna say don't lie all time low is tied there do you uh, go ahead so have you listened to blink since uh tom delange left yes i have i actually attended um a concert um actually that had um, a day to remember, all time low, and then Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah, since saw... Tom Don left. Yes, I, I saw that. That's like my wedding soundtrack. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you like Matt Skiba playing with Blink? 
so so I do um I still listen to Angels and Airwaves I mean like my my boyfriend and I's song is uh The Adventure by Angels and Airwaves so like I always I, I don't think we'll ever have like a traditional wedding but if we ever do I always like this is gonna be funny we're gonna literally have like a like a a punk song like for our first dance if we ever like did that um but so I still listen to Angels and Airwaves and still uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of hearing Tom in that sense um for those of you who don't know that's that's his band now um and then um but I actually do like I liked the California album and San Diego is yeah. actually like a really really good song I have that on my I have a good shit playlist that Kat has to listen to every time we go hiking, and that one's on there. Yeah, I, I always San Diego. That that song is really like California. There are a lot. There are some like really good highlights off that album. I always because he Matt Skiba plays in a band called Alkaline Trio, which is like one of my favorite bands growing up, and they're also like they're more of a darker pop punk band. But I, I feel I always feel bad because he just gets shit all the time because he's not Tom DeLonge and he has to play all of. And sing of all of that his songs. So I thought they were still pretty good live when uh, I saw I saw them saw him play with them though. I quite enjoyed it, and I am like a diehard Blink fan, and so is my boyfriend. Like we we are diehard diehard. Like I got shit from a podcast on um, on Twitter, and I and I took like offense to it because I was like irritated because I'm like you guys don't know like our dedication to Blink One Eighty Two. And so the fact that you, you gave me shit, like, and, and I genuinely, um, I genuinely enjoyed it. And I think people, um, underestimate, oh my God, why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, Matt Skiba. Not Matt Skiba. Um, oh my gosh, it's going to kill me. Um, the other guy, Mark Hoppus. Thank you. I, I thought of Mark and I couldn't think of his last name for, to save my life. But um, Mark Hoppus, you, they, uh, people underestimate how much he sings on those albums. Yeah, like, it's like, it's a good amount. Oh, he, he sings a decent amount. So by the time like you're listening to it live, they have his mic up pretty decent compared yeah. to Skiba. So like it, when you're listening to it, it sounds uh, eerily similar. The only thing that it absolutely kills the vibes on and you can listen to it the same way and you can't even try is um i miss you it yeah. just does not sound right i mean it's like his <laughs> the way delange sings that his verse on that song is so over the top that's like it's it's like so hard to replicate well it, it he has like a little bit of a whininess to his voice that yeah, it's hard to replicate, that, replicate that, the whininess. Yeah, there's that where are you? <laughs> like, yep, I was I wasn't gonna be the one who did it, so I'm yeah. glad you did it. But you can't help but do it, and it's like everyone loves that part of the song. It's like the most yeah. it's like one of the it's like one of the most popular blink songs. All right, on that note, we're almost at the two hour mark. Um Kat, do you have anything else to add? No. Um, was... You guys went off on such a deep. Uh... I know. <laughs> I feel like we could have our own podcast. Sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking me and Mikey are gonna start our own our, yeah, our own a... Blink podcast now. We're gonna have a spinoff. Yeah, you could do like. There's a Star Wars podcast out there called Star Wars Minute, and they literally do each of their podcasts is focused on just one minute of of a Shut Star Wars movie. Yeah. I heard that's I heard that's Cat's favorite podcast. <laughs> 
I don't I don't like being bullied like this. Uh, I don't want us to end on the low note of everybody finding out how much I don't like Star Wars. Well, okay, so I'm saying I, I think in retribution for that, um, we should do uh, one that is one minute of blank and then one minute of uh, all time low. And then I guess if Richie wants to come in and throw in one minute of Green Day with Mikey, then whatever. But... <laughs> Yeah, I think we have a hit on our hands. <laughs> on that note, um, thank you to Corey and Richie for uh, for taking time out of uh, their very busy days. Um, and by that, I mean, Richie, thank you for talking to me instead of waiting for me to finish this so we can watch Weeds. <laughs> and Corey, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Thank you. I I had a um a, actually a very calm day because I've discovered that when your com- your work computer breaks, um many things in the world go quiet, and it's actually been a very nice calm day. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a good thing. Uh, not to end on a bad note. Uh, cat that Jesse Granger from he's uh the athletic who covers the Golden Knights just said. Thomas Nosek was pulled from the game after the second period, and I couldn't find anything showing an injury prior to it. Uh, according to the team, they will provide additional updates and appropriate. So it sounds like it's almost like a Kevin Durant type situation. Good stuff. All right. And on that note, Godspeed, everyone. Uh, hopefully we'll have hockey to talk about uh, next episode. Uh, everyone, yeah. be, be safe. Be safe, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Lost in the south. My thermostat don't work I'm sweating naked on my bed It's gonna fade a nasty yellow in the morning Another blank face staring through me Like a chalk outline Of dreams that bled out in the night